0: Good morning. It is always good to be with you. Time can be a a, a tricky thing uh, to manage. Uh, It seems like there are moments in our lives that we would give anything to slow down and savor, and there are other times in our life that we'd give anything to speed up and just get over, get through it. I mean, who wouldn't want to slow down the last day of the best vacation you've ever been on? Who wouldn't want to speed up the last day at work before you get to leave on that vacation? Who who wouldn't want to slow down an evening where you're with great friends and you're enjoying good food? Who who wouldn't want to speed up an evening where you're trapped on an airplane surrounded by strangers nibbling on honey-roasted peanuts coming out of a tiny foil bag? We have moments in life that we wish Time would speed up. We have other moments we wish we could slow down. And it seems like, no matter how hard we try sometimes, we don't have control over that. Time in our lives often feels like some sort of force that is outside of us and beyond our our control. That that we can't really tell time what to do. And yet we we have a sense that time is able to to call the shots in our lives often without asking our opinion. And so we can feel at times that we're at the mercy of time. But if you've you've lived long enough you know that while there is no doubt that time is a powerful force, like, like gravity. Like gravity there are ways that we can partner with time in our own lives in ways that help us more than they hurt us. Our relationship to time, our partnership with time, the key is attention. What we use, the time we have to pay attention to, to focus on, to let our hearts linger on. And I have found in my own life That what I choose to pay attention to in this moment directly impacts what I'm going to be focusing on in the next moment and what I'm going to probably be allowing my heart to linger on in the moment after that. We have decisions we have to make, not just about the time that we've been given, but how we're going to use it, how we're going to pay attention, focus, let our hearts linger on. We speak as if we don't have control of time. We, we speak as if we're, we're victims of our own schedules, but we know, we know that's not the whole truth. And what I want to ask you this morning is, in the past week, the seconds, the minutes, the hours, the days that God gave you, what did you choose to pay the most attention to? What did you decide to focus on? What, what did you... Let your heart linger on. The dark or the light, love or hate, good or evil, what were you watching in this past week? It's been in many ways a scary week. It's been a scary couple of weeks, hasn't it? all kinds of terrible and terrifying things happening all over our world innocent people losing their lives for no good reason at all countless news organizations breathlessly reporting sorrow and pain and sadness the the images have been heartbreaking the stories too much to handle And yet, I find that in my own life, with my own time, the moments that God has given me, that I, for whatever reason, I'm I'm tempted to pay attention to, to focus on, to linger on those those dark things, the hate, the evil, and I can start to feel like I'm being overwhelmed because there's just so much. So much I don't understand, so much that that makes me feel like I'm out of control. Where did you let your heart linger in this last week? I mean, there there have to have been moments, whoever you are, when you, you wondered if things were coming apart at the seams. And maybe it wasn't just in the broader world out there, maybe it was in your own life, in your own heart, in your own family, your own friendships. Are you focusing on? What are you paying attention to? What are you letting your heart linger on? See, Sunday mornings are a time that we have set aside in our lives where we try our best to choose to pay attention to, to focus on, to let our hearts linger on the world the way God sees it, your friends the way God sees them. Your relationships the way God sees those relationships. We, we intentionally carve out a space in a chaotic world and in overly busy schedules to stop and try our hardest to choose, to decide, to see everything the way God sees everything, no matter what. Our, our time together on Sunday mornings in, in worship, they, they have the t- p- potential to be, they, they, they can and they should be, these shared experiences, these shared collections of moments where we try to open up our bruised hearts once again to dream God's dream of our broken world made right. Not all at once, but a little more with each passing day. Not, not through our efforts and our skills alone, but actually through our willing partnership. With God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is a day coming, brothers and sisters. This is what worship tells us. There is a day coming when all the things that frighten us the most will be a distant memory. And our spiritual decision to use this worship gathering, our spiritual decision to use this time we have together to pay attention to that eternal promise... Our decision to hold on to the divine hope of that day directly impacts the way you and I can live in this day. And so we come to this place and we try to believe again. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Revelation chapter 21. We'll start in verse 1. We'll read the first five verses and then we'll read verses 22 through 24. And then we'll close by reading Revelation 22, 1 through 5. The Apostle John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. The sea was the deep, dark, scary place in the ancient world. or pain for the old order of things has passed away and he who was seated on the throne said i am making everything new i did not see a temple in this city john writes because the lord god almighty and the lamb are its temple the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of god gives it light and the lamb is its lamp the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. John continues, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Resurrection hope is on every page of Scripture. And if it's not there, right on the surface of some passage that you're reading, I promise you that that hope is somewhere beneath the surface of those words. You just have to look to find it. For anywhere you read in Scripture, there is this longing for a life that is stronger than death, for love that is stronger than hate, for good, that is stronger than evil. Over and over again, we are given the invitation to not just believe, but to see against everything else that makes it hard to see, against all the odds that make it hard to believe and hard to trust and hard to hope, there is this belief that God isn't through with us yet, that God hasn't given up on any of us, that God isn't an act. Of new creation. And so we, we go to books like Revelation, and we find that hope is right there on the surface. And, and the words that I just read are often read at funerals. They are read when times are, are, are at their darkest, because we want to trust, we want to believe, we want to hear again this truth. And I think it's really important for us to understand that nowhere in God's word are we told to pretend like we live lives where we don't have to face death and we don't have to confront hate and we don't have to resist evil. But God's word does ask us over and again to see more in our lives than death and to see farther than hate and to see beyond the evil that at times, if we're honest, feels like it's going to dismantle us and overtake us. God's word asks us to understand that no matter what kind of week we've just had in this world we share together, that we need to make the choice to pay attention, to focus, to let our hearts linger on where God is at work in our world even now. even when it's incredibly hard for us to see it, God's kingdom work in this world really is bringing bits and pieces of heaven here. But We need the eyes to see it. We, We need John's eyes, right? We need John's vision of God's future to help us see the places, the glimpses of where God's future is finding its home in our present. And corporate worship is one of the best places I know where we where we learn and relearn how to see heaven in the real world. Corporate times of worship are some of the best experiences you you and I can have together where we, we are trained and retrained to face death with hope. And to confront hate with love and to resist evil with faith, with faith that that the story isn't over yet and faith that we, we know how the story ends and faith that that ending is closer to us now than it's ever been before. When John talks about God's future for us, when John asks us to see things in this world from a heavenly perspective, he says that God will do then what God has always been doing, what God is in fact doing now, even when we can't see it. And that is this, that that we have a God who in loving us is tirelessly working to transform this world from what it is into what God knows it can be. transform this fallen world into the world God dreams of, the the world God has always dreamed of from the very beginning, from before the very beginning. If if we've started to think somewhere along the line that, that God saves us by helping us escape, that God saves us by helping us Evacuate this dark, broken, fallen world. John's vision of the future in Revelation 21 and 22 sets us straight. See, it turns out that God hasn't promised to save us by evacuating us from this world. God saves us by moving in, by coming here. And sharing life with us and being near. And it turns out that God's nearness is what we need in our world and in our lives more than anything else. Because it's God's presence and God's presence alone that has the power, the most power in all of creation to recreate this world of ours from what it is and to what God promises it can be. God's presence is the only thing powerful enough in this world to recreate this world into a place where John says there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Can you imagine our world becoming that, that place? A place where, where we belong to God and to one another? Where we belong with one another? Can you imagine A place where we don't gather together for limited times of worship, but instead we we live with this constant awareness that our lives are acts of worship. A a place where we will never stop paying attention to God's presence in in every moment that passes. A A place where our relationship with God is a holy friendship that never comes to an end. Can you imagine? A place where we don't need the sun and the moon and the stars to give us light because our light comes from the Lamb and the glory of God. A place where people from every nation on the face of the earth stop struggling and fighting against one another and instead join hands together and pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God. A place where you don't need closed gates or locked doors to stay safe. Can you imagine? A place where the tree of life, finally and forever, overcomes the curse of the tree of knowledge that you and I have reached for at one time or another. A place where competition is always changed into collaboration. A place where every voice matters, where every voice is heard and every voice is valued. A place where every wound we have ever caused one another is undone. Not just healed, But undone, a place where lasting peace will replace the terror of war, a place where we will see the face of Jesus and we will bear his name. And because we bear his name, we will always know exactly who we are. We're his. Can you imagine? It's God's future. And when I say that, I mean it's, it's the future that God promises us and it is at the same time the future that only God can make possible. And it really is a future that is breaking into our present. Can you see it? Can you believe it? Are you paying close enough attention? Are any of us one of my favorite Christian authors, Frederick Beekner, in talking about this, this last image that John gives in Revelation 21, this is what he writes Everything is gone that ever made Jerusalem, like all cities, torn apart, dangerous, heartbreaking, seamy. You walk the streets in peace now. Small children play unattended in the parks. No stranger goes by whom you can't imagine becoming a fast friend. The city has finally become what those who loved it always dreamed it could be. And in their hearts, always dreamt that it was. The new Jerusalem. This seems to be the secret of heaven. The new Chicago, Leningrad, Hiroshima, Baghdad. The new bus driver, hot dog man, seamstress, hairdresser. The new you, me, the new everybody. It, it was always buried there like a treasure inside of us. The best we had it in us to become. And there were times that you could almost see it in the past. Heaven is the name for the place where you can see it now. It's clear as day. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but there are times when I can see it. I can see it as clear as day. It's not all the time, but there are times when I can see it. The new Abilene, the new Southern Hills, the the new families, the new marriages. I can see it. Not all the time but there are times when I can see people being good to one another when it's so hard to be good to one another. I can see people struggling against and overcoming addictions in their lives. I I can see marriages that were on the brink coming back to life. I can see friendships where people have said things and done things that they should have never said or done. I've, I've seen new chapters be opened in those friendships. I I, I see neighborhoods in this city where everybody has enough. They have a safe place to sleep at night and food to eat and clothes to wear. I I see the power of grace overcoming the ravages of sin. I, I can see it. But I want more for us than just the ability to see it. I want us to have the faith and the hope and the love, the willingness to always be a part of it. This is what it means to be people who are shaped by worship. This is what it means to be God's people. It is to see God's future lovingly crashing into our own and finding a way To make God's future at home in our present. To understand that the way God saves us and saves the world is not by helping us escape the world, but by moving in. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, our shepherds and their wives will be standing in various places throughout this room to pray with you, to be community for you and with you. This is just one way that we express what it means to be together in the family of faith. And so if you came this morning with a broken heart, if you came this morning having used most of the time in this last week to worry and to focus on the things that make it feel like everything's falling apart, choose to use the next few moments as a time to pay attention to the things that give you hope and strengthen your faith and help you know the love of God. These couples want to pray with you and minister to you. I'm going to ask them to stand up if they will where they are so you can see where they're located in the room, go to them as together we stand and sing.